Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at Tech Advisor. To anyone trying to watch live, I apologize. We are running late. Clearly, Toddy was our lucky charm. And the moment <laughs> we've tried to do our first episode after his departure, absolutely everything has broken. Uh, most notably, my laptop, which uh, decided to throw a fit about, I, would on, I wouldn't even say 30 seconds before the show was meant to start, about 10 seconds after it was meant to start, when we were ready to hit BAM, everything just stopped working. So I think my video is still a bit laggy. I'm sorry for that, but the audio should be coming through okay. So we are going to go ahead as best as we can. So I am your host, Dom, running in slightly laggy video. I am joined this week by Lewis and Henry. How are you guys doing? Oh, uh, it's very hot, good, isn't yeah. it? It's rather warm. Uh, <laughs> Everyone in England's talking about, about it. <laughs> it's just going to be a 45-minute podcast about how hot we are. Yeah. <laughs> you just see increasing pretty sweat. pretty much all I've got ready to go, conversation-wise. It's hot today. It's going to be hotter tomorrow. Probably wet at the weekend. Yeah. Just like every week. That's how it runs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The good news is there are some phone things to talk about to distract ourselves from the ongoing heatwave. Uh, first up, we are going to be talking about the Nothing Phone 1, the uh, first phone from Carlpay Startup. They have unveiled the design this week. So while we're actually not getting the phone itself for another full month, we finally know what it looks like, and that has revealed a few other little tidbits about it. Uh, so we are going to talk through that and whether it's lived up to our expectations or not, since design is a really key part, I think, of what makes this phone so interesting. Then, given we've got one oddball phone to talk about, we figured why not just go all out and talk about the weird ones this week. So I am going to be reviewing the ZTE Axon 40 Ultra, their latest flagship with a hidden under-display selfie camera. And following that, Henry is going to be giving us his thoughts on Planet Computer's Astro Slide 5G, a phone we've chatted about on the podcast before. It's a slightly odd phone with a slidey out mechanical keyboard. Before that, though, we do have some other little bits and pieces of news to run through. Uh, first up, Poco has been pretty steadily teasing the F4 5G which is separate to the F4 GT that we already have. Um, but we now know there is going to be another F4. This one is coming soon, and we know it's getting a global launch. Though everything we know about it has pretty much come from the Poco India Twitter account, um, where clearly some unhinged admin is just throwing phone <laughs> facts out into the world. Uh, we know it's going to have a Snapdragon 870 inside. We know it's going to come with up to 12 gig of RAM and 256 gig of storage and it's going to have a 64 megapixel ois camera all of which are pretty impressive specs for a phone that we know is going to come in sort of cheaper than the gt model which was already fairly affordable for what it offered so from what we've seen this is a pretty promising look at the phone and hopefully a good successor to the f3 last year which was really fantastic is there indication of like where is it going to be a global release they are saying global, yeah. So I assume, like I said, it's the Poco India account tweeting it all out, but global presumably means across most of Asia and Europe, um, potentially here in the UK as well, very unlikely to be the US, given yeah. where Poco and Xiaomi phones go in that regard. Yeah, no, that should be that should be good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Pricing-wise, they'll go hard on that. That should be good. Exactly. Um, what else have we got? Vivo has finally announced all the release details for the X80 Pro in Europe. You may have heard me rave about that phone on the show already. So it's coming out across Europe from dates vary by country, but basically from the end of June, beginning of July. And pricing also varies a little. The cheapest it's been seen is, I think, Austria, where it's 1,100 euros. But it goes up to 1,300 euros in some other countries. So check where you live and check the pricing in neighboring countries to where you live, because <laughs> it might be a little bit cheaper. Uh, disappointingly for me, it's not coming to the UK from the looks of it, unless they're planning to save that one for later, but it doesn't look like it. But still, a good chunk of Europe is getting it, I think 10 or so European countries, including some of the big ones like Germany and Italy. So that's really encouraging. Hopefully they are taking European launches seriously again. Yeah, that's interesting, that one, given it's like a BBK um, company. Do you think that they're just ignoring the UK on purpose, like leaving it to OnePlus and Oppo, or do you think they're going to move in? We've had UK phones from them before. Um, they just kind of released a few, and they're still releasing the odd budget one. They just don't make much of a fuss about it. 
I'm I'm still a little unsure what the model is. They've done the same thing as Oppo, which is throw a load of money at sports sponsorship and stuff like that. So mm. they've got enough marketing spend out there already that you'd think they'd want to stick with it. But um, we'll see. I think they're still going to work towards the UK, but probably get a firmer foothold in continental Europe first, where I think it's a little bit easier because the carriers are a little less powerful from what yeah. I understand. Um, another phone that I am incredibly confident will not be coming to the UK, probably not anywhere in Europe, but I really hope it does, and I really hope we get a look at it. The HTC Viverse phone is confirmed to launch on June 28th. So we are getting a new HTC phone this month. I don't know at all what to expect from this. They've basically, I mean, the name should give away a bit. Viverse is their HTC's take on the metaverse. So this is on some level going to be a phone with some sort of VR, AR focus. But yeah. I don't know what that means. My... Does that mean it's useful for making AR content in the same way Apple's got their AR tech? Does it mean it's just going to be used to drive a headset they're putting out or something like that? Yeah, my, my theory is that it's actually tied to their Vive Flow headset because they use phone controllers and they're all actually really bad. So this right. could be a way for them to have a phone that works properly with the headset and maybe has dedicated buttons on the back of it so you can actually you know use them as a proper controller instead of a touchscreen. Um, but who knows? Absolute mystery. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm curious. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed this exists. I'm amazed we're going to find out about it so soon. Uh, it's only a couple of weeks now. But yeah, HTC has basically said nothing. Um, their HTC Taiwan Facebook page announced the launch. So it's definitely coming out in Taiwan, which makes sense. That's where they're headquartered. I assume we'll see it in China and some of the rest of Asia. But I'd, I'd be surprised if we see it really widely outside of that. And so far, all they've put out is a teaser with an outline of a phone shape, which uh, doesn't give away very much about what to expect. It's rectangular. <laughs> okay another product we are definitely never going to see the meta watch um we had heard before that facebook slash meta was working on a smartwatch and bloomberg this week managed to get hold of photos of a prototype of what was apparently a cancelled uh version they may still be working on other wearables but this specific one is is a one that they've decided to kill off it's an odd looking device it has two cameras on it, which is a little strange for a smartwatch. It had a 5 megapixel camera sort of in a teardrop notch facing you, and then a 12 megapixel one on the back. And you could also entirely detach the watch from the frame in the wrist. I think the pitch was roughly, if you don't have your phone, you can kind of take this out and still video call and stuff like that, purely using this tiny little square watch dongle bit without having to actually undo your watch strap. Very, very strange. I cannot see what they were really thinking here. I also have to wonder who in their right mind wants to put a Facebook-powered camera on their wrist, two Facebook-powered cameras on their wrist yeah. all day, every day. It's, um, yeah. I see, the, I, see, I see the, I saw the appeal in the past of the, the portal device. I know it's like a plug-in thing, like an Echo Show. Um, but even that's kind of been pushed a bit more towards enterprise now. And um, yeah, they just have, even though they've got like the software that people communicate on, they just can't get hardware. And I don't think it's necessarily their place to offer that hardware either. You're not going to, I don't know. But that's what we always say, isn't it? You don't want a Facebook thing on your wrist, even though we use <laughs> Meta yeah. pro products every day on our phones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they, they're wise to leave it alone. Well, it's just especially anything with a camera or microphone focus, I think is always going to make people a bit nervy with, with Facebook slash Meta yeah. these days. The problem is that's almost all tech. <laughs> yeah. And like anyone that's had an Apple Watch will tell you that it's, it's handy having quick phone calls on an Apple Watch, but like anything past like 30 seconds, like, okay, can we wrap this up now? Because I'm not sitting here holding <laughs> my, my wrist up like this the whole time. So who's having prolonged video chats on this watch? <laughs> That's why you can take it off your wrist oh, with a handy little pop out of the socket, and then you just got to carry this strange, tiny little square around with you. So, what's the what was the back camera for? I can understand that if they got a front-facing camera. I think so you could actually take photos and stuff. You yeah. know, it's a twelve megapixel mm -hmm. sensor. So, I think the idea was you could actually use it as a as a camera to take snaps and stuff it's like so that. If Facebook you don't have your knows phone with you. where you're walking at all times, as well as where you mm -hmm. are. <laughs> 
I mean, you can yeah. sort of see how you could get there with that pitch for fitnessy devices where it's leave your phone at home. You know, and I know Apple's obviously pushed that way with the cellular and, and this would have had cellular as well. You can certainly see how you could kind of say, well, okay, we need to cover more of the phone stuff for when you mm-hmm. don't have your phone with you, particularly if you're out for a run or something. But yeah, I think this is a slightly odd take on it. And of all companies, I don't think Meta is the one to win that particular race. Okay, last little bit of news this week. Um, Qualcomm has managed to successfully appeal the 1 billion euro fine it had been given by the EU um, over some antitrust stuff around selling chips to Apple. Essentially, um, Qualcomm had been um, using additional fees to uh, stop, uh, additional fees and payments to stop Apple from buying chips from any other supplier which one EU court had said was in violation of antitrust policies. And a new higher EU court has basically said, A, that there were procedural irregularities in the previous court ruling. Um, And B, and more interesting for us perhaps, that the context of Qualcomm's behavior is changed by the fact that for a good chunk of the period in question, uh, and I'm quoting the court document here, Apple had no technical alternative to Qualcomm's LTE chips anyway. So it can't have been anti-competitive because there wasn't any competition, fundamentally. (laughs) Which does make you wonder why Qualcomm went to such lengths to, you know, force Apple into contracts that stopped it from using any of that competition that didn't exist. But uh, I'll leave that matter for the EU's next highest court, which I think is the last one. So I have no doubt this will end up going up one more rung and this will get dragged out for another three years before we find out how much, if anything, Qualcomm actually ends up paying. But um, yeah, this is going to drag out for a little bit longer. Okay, let's turn to our first proper topic of the day, the Nothing Phone 1. We now know basically what it looks like, which is kind of weird, kind of (laughs) like an iPhone 12. Yeah, it's on the one hand a very traditional phone design, and on the other hand, very strange looking. Um, I think it's telling; it's divisive. And OnePlus and Carl Pei have essentially already admitted that that is exactly what they wanted. I think a reply to Marcus Brownlee calling it a divisive uh, design. Carl Pei replied on Twitter to basically say that it's you know doing what it's meant to do. So they wanted this to be something to spark debate, and lo, here we are debating how it looks. <laughs> uh, but yeah. This is kind of iPhone-y. It's got straight edges, of the kind of straight-edged aluminium frame. It's got a pretty simple dual camera setup and a flat back. What's weird is the transparent plastic. And I can already guess this is probably going to disappoint some people because I think when they hyped up transparent plastic, I'm sure what a lot of people were hoping for was a lot more visible circuitry and components and things like that. And what we actually have, for better or worse, is white plastic in the shape of all those bits covered by transparent plastic on top. So, you know, we don't see a charging coil, but we do see a circular ring that we know is the same size and shape as the charging coil and in the place where the charging coil is. So it hints at the components, but doesn't reveal them, which I'm guessing is not what everyone was hoping for when we all got hyped about the transparent phone. Um, how does that aspect of the design sitting with you two? Um, I suppose I'll go first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I dislike it for the exact that exact reason. Um, I was always looking forward to seeing the actual internals inside the phone and you know how they actually look. Um, and it just kind of gives me it kind of this kind of reminds me of the the Xiaomi phone with the fake internals printed on the rear. From a yep. few years ago it's just it's very reminiscent of that in my mind now and i'm just a bit disappointed and also it's just it just looks boring when it's all white like there's just there's nothing to it they say that it's fun and all this kind of stuff in in the in their press material but i, I can't see what's really that fun about a plain white phone with a couple of weird leds on the back mm. <laughs> but we'll, we'll come to the leds because the leds are another whole other thing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean lighting aside uh, i don't dislike it as much as as much as Lewis does. I kind of almost like the fact that they haven't just gone, we made a phone and then instead of using glass, we just used clear plastic. Because mm-hmm. you can get phone cases, can't you? Um, I think I even have one. I can't remember what phone it's for. 
uh, where they, you know, they just like printed out what the phone would look like if it had a transparent back and like they're not the prettiest it kind of looks like you've broken it <laughs> or like the glass is smashed off the back and so I kind of understand the design principle of just being like here is quite a it's almost like an um ex machina vibe like iRobot kind of look yeah. like here's a machine that is a, definitely not just um yeah it's kind of like taken a bit more, more of like a robotic humanoid kind of thing going on but I mean I would be concerned personally about that clear plastic just getting all scratched up yeah. how durable is that going to be that would yeah. be the thing because i'm um, i kind of baby my phones i don't and if i don't uh this is one phone you're not going to want to use a case on right and it's not going to make any sense to put a clear plastic case on your clear plastic phone <laughs> well that that's been exactly one of the problems with the year one headphones is the clear plastic on those cases got very scratched up very easily um not sort of big deep abrasions or anything but just that kind of micro scratches from being in your pocket that really dulls the the look of the whole thing. And I'd be curious to know if they've changed their materials at all in response to that, or if this is the exact same plastic they were using there, because if it is, then that's definitely going to be a problem. Um, just bringing the, the ear one case in and out of your pockets was enough to scratch it up in all sorts of little ways and doesn't ruin the look of it, but it definitely detracts a lot. It's kind I of have like to say, Sorry, Lewis, you go. I was gonna say it's kind of like the uh, the piano black iPhone for me a few years ago. That was always the big worry yes. with that is that it just it got scratched up so easy. it looked so great when it was fresh, but within weeks you're like, yeah, this looks like garbage. So yeah, if it looks amazing out of the box, but terrible in six months' time, is it really <laughs> worth it? Um, I'd say I kind of agree with you a bit, Lewis, on on the design here, in the sense that. I don't mind the fact that we're not seeing loads and loads of componentry, but I'm surprised we're not seeing any yeah. and i'm surprised it's all white because if you look at you know the only reference point we've got for their design is, is the ear one headphones and there's a lot of white there but there's also black and red detailing yeah. and they do have a lot of what you see is just colored plastic underneath transparent plastic but there are key points where they let you see bits of circuitry so if you turn over on the inside of the stem you can see circuit board there and so i'm surprised we didn't see more of that here flashes of of black and red kind of accenting and bits of circuitry, yeah. even if we didn't see the whole thing being circuitry. I really thought we were going to see the charging coil. Yeah. Um, I just assumed that would be one they'd, they'd have to be very visible. But I know there, there are all sorts of constraints that I do not understand around how you can build these components in a way that keeps them looking pretty. And probably if you take them apart, half of them are like covered in glue and stuff like that and don't <laughs> actually look very nice. So maybe they just really couldn't find a way to make it work. But I thought we'd see... a halfway between what we do have and full full view of the components you know yeah i mean it's kind of it's cool at least they're doing something different though right exactly exactly i i like but don't love the design but it's great that it looks different to other phones out there mm. yeah yeah because when we always complain about every like black slab that we can't tell the difference of and yep. using reviewing like three phones at the moment and they're all black and they're all boring looking yeah. even though <laughs> the front of them is quite interesting hope then again obviously we could not maybe not go down uh, the route of how boring the nothing launcher was today because you've probably done that before um but at least they're trying to do something different and it's got people talking and it's a new company so well nothing phone one right maybe they'll take this on board for number two <laughs> yeah i mean it's hard to see where they're going to go from this design into into future ones and how they're going to iterate on it that's one of the things i'm really curious about um I guess maybe that's the space where they've gone all white now and now they can play around and, and future versions start to look a little bit different and bring in pops of color and maybe they'll work be able to work on their build process to encourage more actual componentry to be visible as they figure out better ways of doing it. I kind of wonder if just they set themselves a very hard challenge and maybe just on, on a technical construction level, it was a bit too difficult to meet first time around with a phone, second product. Uh, Lewis, you mentioned the LED strips earlier. Yes. These are the big surprise for me, especially because they revealed the phone in a photo where it wasn't obvious, certainly to me at a glance, that there uh, were LED yeah. lights. I just saw those as different shades of white on the plastic. Yep. And then people pointed out there were lights and the phone got revealed at the Art Basel show where there are videos of it flashing these LEDs. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of these i just don't understand why yeah like what it's not a gaming phone it's just 
it doesn't add anything. I mean, obviously people are going to use them as like kind of notification lights. Like, that's got to be it. Like they, they, there has to be at least one function of them is, is the notification um, alerts. But Surely. It's so weird. I don't get it. Um, but I suppose some people will love it. People love lights. People do. Some people do love LEDs. I can't understand why they love them so much on phones where you're not the one that gets to enjoy them because they're facing away from you. But people love them. Yeah, I'm just looking, just having a look at the image, but yeah, is that the? Um, uh, you've probably already said this, but is that that shape is what was on the teaser, right? We were trying to work out what the yes the shape was. Yeah, um, oh, so it's clear right. <laughs> got that circle and then the the six and one o'clock kind of lights. Um, I suppose that's what they were going for. But yeah, I don't know why <laughs> it does it. Carpager seems to be quite influenced by um, Apple and Bauhaus design and you know, teenage engineering and those kind of things. So I think he's kind of really put all his eggs in the design basket um, because it looks as though not much attention's been paid to uh, the Android experience. Um, <laughs> but we can we can see. I mean, I suppose you don't have to, do you? I mean, like Sony phones, for example, use like a pretty like close to, I know stock doesn't really exist, does it? Mm-hmm. We call it stock Android. But if they don't have to do too much around that and are using Google Apps anyway, um, then all the funding that he's got, and it's had to turn it around pretty quickly as well. He only left OnePlus like two years ago, right? Yeah, the company as a whole has been around, nothing's year and a half, maybe two years old. So to get to a phone that mm. quickly is is genuinely very impressive, even with his his expertise before and, and the funding he was able to get. That's why, you know, I have to kind of uh, admit I was wrong. I, I was very skeptical that they would do a phone as soon as they did. I figured we'd get quite a few smaller products before they got anywhere near a full smartphone. Yeah, it was interesting that they've done earbuds first, now a phone. It kind of looks as though it's open for, for another phone. But I mean, this could it could be a company that just does one of everything and <laughs> I don't know. You know, we and they no put idea. numbers in the names. <laughs> and like never a, does a well, sequel. You, you, I mean, you wouldn't you number know, them unless like, you thought you were going to do more than one of each. I guess. Oh, That's maybe, my yeah. view. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. Maybe not with the LEDs <laughs> next time. Do we think? <laughs> so we've only seen the LEDs in white. Do we think they go other colours, or have they locked them to just be white? No. They've got to be just be white. It, it make like I can't imagine them being any other color. I think they're just they're really in on this white color scheme for the whole phone. Um, I, I mean, I'd like it to be a multicolored experience. I mean, now I'm saying this. If it does tie in with notifications, it probably will have the um, options to change color because you want different notification LEDs with different lights, so you know what's coming from which app. I mean, a lot of the gaming phones that I use with the LEDs on the back do all mm. have that function, so I it could be a similar thing here. Um, I I think it'll be just white because I I suspect they may consciously be trying to avoid that association with the gaming phone RGB LED experience, right? Um, And and again, that's why I guess these LEDs threw me because it doesn't seem to match up with what I thought they were going for in terms of the aesthetic and the association and, and the space in the industry they wanted to be. So... You know, I, I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's like you can't have a nice phone with LEDs, obviously. But no, yeah, of course not. I think my question is, uh, obviously, everything that gets put into a phone, especially because this is going to be a mid-range phone, isn't it? It's not we expect so. Phone. I'm not sure if they've actually confirmed, said anything okay. really about the price they're aiming for. Oh, I think okay. certainly the earbuds were $100, which really put them... Again, like a OnePlus phone, like OnePlus used to be, flagship killer kind of thing. Flagship features at an affordable price by Mm -hmm. compromising in a few, you know, cleverly chosen ways. So everyone's then gone, well, I guess that's what they're going to do with the phone. I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, yeah, my question is, if they've included LEDs, what has been dropped off to include them? Because the rest of the spec will be very interesting. (laughs) Like we know it's getting wireless charging. Um, got that got that big coil we can see that um, we yeah. don't know much else we know there's an aluminium frame but obviously the back's plastic we know it will have a snapdragon chipset but we don't know which one we just know it will be snapdragon so that leaves them a lot of room to maneuver I imagine there's a whole load of people out there expecting an 8 gen 1 and I have my suspicions they may be disappointed because if they're going for the price they're going mm. for and fitting in wireless charging and LEDs, I'm guessing we're going to see a 7 Gen 1 instead. But, 
you know, hard to say for sure again because we don't really know the price they're trying to hit. But well, I suppose we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. I was about to say, yeah, there's absolutely no chance we have to wait until (laughs) July 12th to find out everything because that is still four weeks away. And Carl Pay would get bored waiting that long <laughs> without getting to tweet about specs. So we are definitely going to see oh, yeah. some some more bits drip fed. Uh, there's actually also the oddity that although the phone gets announced in mid-July, you will technically be able to buy it next week uh, because they are putting the first 100 oh. units on sale on the auction site StockX. And they're all going to be numbered and engraved um so there's gonna be a 48 hour auction period from june 21st it starts and basically the top 100 bidders get a phone whoever bids the absolute most gets phone number one whoever bids the second most gets phone number two and so on through through the 100 so fascinating thing where people are going to be buying one of these a without knowing the full specs of the device b without knowing what its retail price is so they won't know how much they're overpaying for it they just know that they're yeah. massively overpaying for it. <laughs> and did those are those proceeds going to charity? I don't think so. I might be wrong. <laughs> I don't want to be slod, like, you know, like if, I'm, if I'm wrong. So I'm going to say hesitantly, I don't think they are. I don't remember seeing any mention of charity right. in the uh, in the listing mm. about it in the press release I was sent. They they did a similar thing yeah. with Ear One Buds. They sold the first hundred engraved, and I don't believe that was for charity. Um, and do we know what the most expensive bid was for those? I don't think they, they did it in a different that. way. They they didn't do it with StockX, so I don't think it worked in quite the same way. But I I think there is a figure somewhere, but I can't remember. But um, mm. it was a similar deal yeah. there where they Keep sold the first one hundred before they'd fully revealed the product. Um, I I just found it. it they someone paid one thousand and twenty nine dollars for the wow. earbuds. More than ten times wow. the price. Um, mm. Crazy. It's kind of like the same. Uh, <laughs> it's like monetized what OnePlus did. Yeah, I know that people were buying those when they were when they were going the you know the invite only thing. But this is kind of another exclusivity thing. But yeah, gonna make them a lot more money. <laughs> much. It's an interesting much one because it's stuff. it's obviously based on people. Yeah betting quite literally that the company is going to go on to be big and these things are going to have significant collector's yeah. value down the line. Um, I mean, maybe some of these people are bidding just because they're fans enough to want to own number five forever. But you can only imagine a lot of those hundred are people who are thinking, I will pay a thousand pounds now and this is going to be worth 10,000 pounds in a decade when Carl Pay is the next Steve Jobs. Mm. Uh, it's hard, it's, it's hard for me to like get my head around the fact of being like a fan of a game that's released one <laughs> yeah. product. Yeah. Like I know a OnePlus did it, but it was kind of like more the promise of what it was going to mm. become. But yeah, I know what you mean. There's clearly like fans of this idea, but it's quite unproven so far. Yeah. A bit like <laughs> under display cameras. Yeah, that's that, let's, <laughs> oh, let's like that. tackle the ZT Axon 40 Ultra then with that segue served up. Um, yeah, another odd phone. A not quite as unproven as nothing, perhaps, given we are on ZTE's third generation now of under-display camera, and obviously other companies, most notably Samsung, have had a go at this tech already. Um, ZTE is definitely the most experienced, though. They were the first to put out a, a retail product with an under-display camera in, which was the Axon 20, or maybe it was the 20 Pro. They keep changing each year, whether it's the Pro, the regular, or the Ultra that gets the uh, under-display camera, and I can never keep track. Mm. I think it was the regular Axon 20 that had it. Um, It has come on a long way since then. So what I'd say about this third gen is that it plays, it builds on the strengths of the second gen, which is to say, wow, they have made this thing invisible. Um, I have had the phone (laughs) for a week and I've been trying to find the camera and it took till yesterday, so that's (laughs) six days, to find the exact combination of ambient lighting, angle and right kind of light background on the phone before I could spot the faintest glimmer of some discolored pixels to say, aha, I think that's where the camera (laughs) is. I couldn't see the camera. I couldn't even see a full circle or a square. I could just see a strip down what I think was the middle of where the lens is to reveal where it is. And that's me Mm. working to find it. So that's, that's cool. 
But is it at the expense of it being a trash camera? <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, it's better <laughs> than it was. And I would hazard a guess yeah. this is the best under-display camera around in terms of image quality. But it's not good. Uh, cool. It's, I mean, there's probably technically a best chocolate teapot <laughs> exactly. as well. Like, <laughs> like I do get it. And it is obviously like we're in a phase, aren't we? Because it looks yep. way better than the one on the Fold 3. Oh, yeah. Which is, they, why did they yeah, even bother? They just have a better camera and have, and have, a, and have a cutout, right? Um, but it, so it is interesting to see this um, progress. I mean, it seems like we're maybe like halfway through the technology catching up to the ideal, right? If you said you can't even see it. And you really like no one's gonna even know it's there. But when you go and use the camera and saw a couple of selfies that we that we've been taking, and it kind of blows out, you can almost see the pixels in the. It's not that you that, can right? see the pixels; it's that to make sure you can't see the pixels, they're very aggressively softened. Um, so they have oh, right. it doesn't look pixelated. You can't see these sort of individual light spots or anything like that, but the work they are doing to fudge the gaps between the pixels and everything and fudge the spots where light is being blocked by the screen. Uh, basically, mm. it just means the overall image quality ends up looking very poor. It looks like it's been taken with um, a, a low-resolution camera. It looks like it's just softened absolutely everything. It also really blows out light sources. So if there's a light in your image, <clears throat> if there's a light behind you when you take the photo, whether that's the sun or just a light in a building or anything like that, it will really blow that out and you'll get distortion and refraction around that light. So you've got to be careful about framing that sort of thing. It's So, yeah, I guess it's like a, it's a phone for people who don't want to take selfies or do video yeah. calls. <clears throat> and the thing for me is screen. I love that because I never take selfies except when I'm testing a phone for work. And I rarely <laughs> video call on my phone. I wouldn't go so far as to say never, but it is honestly a once every few months. There's a reason I'm video calling someone. Um, I just don't do it very much. So for me, this is perfect. I get to not have to look at a selfie camera blocking up a bit of my screen, but I also have the benefit of it being there when I really need it. It's in the same. It's the same reason that I always was quite a big fan of the pop-up selfie cameras, which I know not everyone was, but I like them for the same reason, yeah. which is I never used the camera anyway, and so I didn't mind that it was tucked away in this odd way, and you had to wait a second for it to come up or, or whatever. The benefit this has over them is there's not that risk of mechanical failure, and it's also faster for face unlock because you can still use it for face unlock, and it works well for that. Uh, it's fast and reliable. I wouldn't want to guess how secure it is but it is fast and reliable. Mm -hmm. It works for unlocking the phone. Um, yeah, pop-ups pop -ups are like a weird like yes. one-year thing. Maybe 18 months. Every like, yeah. Let's not, not <laughs> let's, no notch. And then they were like, oh, put it in there. And they're like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. It's not waterproof anymore. And they're all going to break. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. We've got the, we've got the Sony Xperia mm. 1 Mark IV at the moment. And that just has like a really, really small bezel at the top. I mean, and that's fine. <laughs> and the front camera is really good. Um, and there's no and there's yep. no interruption on the screen as well, which is like, you know, same aspect ratio as the old cinema, but we'll get to that phone another week. Um, what do you think, Lewis? I mean, you're an iPhone guy. Um, does the notch, are you furious at the notch? I was or? literally about to bring the notch into this. I mean, I was, I'm looking at my iPhone now and I think it's just, just a habit that I tune it out at this point. Like, and then mm. I, like, yeah, so I love my iPhone. Love, love all of the, you know, love it. It's great. Absolutely fine. Does what it needs to do. Um, and then I'll go to like an Android phone that does have this full screen experience with the hidden um, camera or like a really tiny, tiny hole punch camera in the corner. I'm like, damn, it does add something to the experience. You know, you do really get this uninterrupted full screen experience. And I do like that. And I think I'm kind of um, team dumb on the whole kind of, I don't really take selfies that often. Uh, and if I do video chat, I'll use an iPad or something like that. That's a, got a bit of a bigger screen anyway. So something like that. I think it appeals to more people yep. than we might think. Um, this kind of thing. I think that's exactly yeah, right. Sure. I think I think it's yeah, one of those quirks of the phone industry that the selfie camera has been kept as a priority in a big way for a lot of people. And I understand that. And I understand certainly the hesitance of anyone to even go so far as to put out something without a selfie camera. And, and you know, even when we've had, say, foldables that didn't put one on the outside, they've been kind of pilloried for it. But 
I think there's a lot of people out yeah. there that really rarely use them. Equally, there's a lot of people who use them all the time. So I'm not suggesting that you oh, know, yeah. selfie cameras are dead. No one cares anymore. But I think, yeah, I think there's probably a very <laughs> large chunk of the audience that would, if you told them, hey, your screen is better, but your selfies are crap, they'll go, yeah, that's a sensible trade-off for me. For other people, it will absolutely not make sense. Yeah. It'd be nice yes. when there's no trade-off. Wonder when that will That's be. That's the dream. Um, we're not there yet. We're. I have to say, I think I was more optimistic about the timeline on that at the time of the first Axon one, the Axon Twenty, because at that point mm. it felt like, wow, this is surprisingly good for what it is. And then the Axon Thirty One came out, and I was like, oh, they've really improved the display side, but the camera's still really like yeah. just as bad as before. So they're not really improving there. And now this one's come along. I was like, well, they've, you know, it's no radical improvement on the screen, but they've refined it a little bit further, the invisibility. But are you even trying on the camera, guys? Like, I swear it's the same as it was two <laughs> years ago. And that makes me a bit nervous because I'm thinking, hang on, if these guys are the ones who have nailed it and they are, it's just not getting better on the actual photography quality side. It's just like, I just, it's just such, I'm just going, I'm just going to go back to the bezel thing. It's just like such a created yes. problem. Like all other cameras in history haven't <laughs> had to have a screen in front of them. And then now they've, we've just decided, like some, someone's just decided that this is a problem we've kind of had to make for ourselves, which is mm. why I brought up Sony. Cause it's just been like, well, we don't have to muck around with that. I don't know. It is impressive. And if, I think it'd be more impressive to me if the phone was small yes. as well, <laughs> because if you're like, it's such yeah. a huge phone. Yeah, that's like, a good point, actually. <laughs> why don't you just have a tiny bezel with a camera? For if a you wanted to have like a really would, like yeah. iPhone mini kind of thing, which no one is making, then that would be, a, I'd prob that's where I would probably like take the yep. trade off, be like, get the screen, camera's there. But we're how, it's like 6. a 6.7 inch screen or something, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. You flush <laughs> the screen. I, I expect they're, they're kind of trying to make up for it with the rear facing cameras. Yeah. They are, they are decent. They are, it's a similar setup to what we've seen before from their top end stuff, which is uh, triple setup, all three are 64 megapixels. So they've gone all in on resolution, very high megapixel count across all three lenses. Um, these are good. I don't think they're absolutely incredible. Um, I don't think anyone would be in a rush to put this in the kind of top of a best camera phone, current camera phone competition. Um, not necessarily from a hardware perspective. I think the hardware is solid, um, but I think ZT's algorithmic work just is maybe not quite there. It feels a bit like what a lot of very good Android cameras used to look like a couple of years ago, just in terms of the way the algorithms are tuned. Photos come up very vivid and bright and a little oversaturated yeah. and exaggerated, at least to my taste. So if you really like the way that, you know, Oppo and Xiaomi photos used to look, that might really appeal. I think a lot of the industry has started to move towards slightly more muted, natural tones um, to the extent that now a lot of the time the iPhone is the more saturated camera in comparisons, <laughs> which never used to be the way. Um, what yeah. A crazy time we live in. So it looks a bit out of step in um, to maybe to modern taste, but equally taste is subjective. So if you like those very, very punchy colours, you'll probably really enjoy this camera, really. And um, where can you buy it? You can buy it. Can you can buy it? buy it pretty much anywhere in the world, including the UK and the US. Um, but mm. you've got to do it from ZTE's website, basically. It's just not yeah, really right. available through carriers. And, and I imagine it'll pop up in Amazon and a lot of places and, and maybe they'll make it to some Asian carriers and the like, but in Europe and, and the US, you can go buy it, but you'll have to buy it SIM-free from, from ZTE. There's absolutely no chance of any major networks in the West taking this one up, I don't think. Okay, let's turn on to our last little weirdo of the week, the Planet Computers <laughs> Astro slide, uh, which we've spoken about a few times. This might be its fourth entry in Fast Charge, but that's because we actually finally have it. It's out <sighs> We've got a copy of the phone. Henry, you've been playing around with it. So this is probably the last time we're going to talk about it just because I can't see any possible reason we'll get to it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nearly up. Right, so you can if, nearly if, get it. if you backed it on, it was either Kickstarter or Indiegogo, wherever they did it, then you, you may already have yours if you're yeah. in that situation. Uh, otherwise, you can yeah. order it. There's just kind of a, what is it, a month or two shipping delay or something, right? So the, peop the people who, uh, yeah, Indiegogo uh, supported it um, had to wait two years to get this device. 
So yeah, if I don't you know if they've <laughs> maybe had maybe I lost them maybe maybe they've been a bit delayed if people got annoyed and cancelled their orders maybe they've had a backlog but anyway some people are getting them now and yeah on their website if you uh, try and pre-order one uh, directly from them which they're at that stage now you can get one uh, either this month or next and it kind of depends on mm-hmm. um, which keyboard you pick they actually are pretty good for like lots of different keyboard combinations but anyway it's absolutely enormous. Um, it's the thickest phone <laughs> I've ever reviewed. <laughs> um, because, yeah, so, I mean, we all remember the slider phones, you know, like we, I know that England wasn't really the place for the um, uh, sidekick or the flip-top kind of phones. I mean, I've had some cheaper LG mm. ones, but, you know, you push them up and the, the keyboard was under there, but it was like a BlackBerry oh. uh, size keyboard, right? Oh, there, <laughs> MEMS. But Mems. this one, this one, and uh, just in case you're watching the video, I will hold up, it's a proper, like, yep. Nokia communicator style thing which is slightly before my time if i'm honest um and i would say that this is slightly bigger as well they, these keys it's not a full-size keyboard but these are like you know, yeah. fingertip size keys yeah um so it is <laughs> incredibly difficult to type on uh, at any speed <laughs> but it does mean that you can sit it down on a table that's how it's in, it's not for thumb use Oh, okay. technically could, even though you technically could it, this is intended to be put down it's got a, it's got a 6.4 uh, inch uh, AMOLED which is quite quite nice um, and you just meant to put up a text editor and go to town um, you can get a kind of flow going after a few days I was going to ask has it gotten better because really... when I when I tried it at MWC <laughs> my impression was typing on it was a bit tricky but I figured I've been on this thing for all of mm. two minutes of course I'm not going to be used to this kind of slightly odd keyboard size after yeah. a few days, does that you know? Do you, uh, do you get the muscle memory a bit? It started. It started to go away. I think the thing that I would say is that it's not necessarily the keyboard that's going to be a sticking point for me. It's just the size of the display. Depending on what app you're using, yeah. you can't actually see that much text. And what would actually be most useful to do would be to refer to something further up on the page, you know, or the idea of click and drag. Not that I'm yeah. going <laughs> to hook up a mouse to this anytime soon, you know. But you really have to be like in the zone on like a few yeah. lines of text of what you're typing. And if you're in like uh, instant messages or whatever, then that kind of makes sense, right? Um, I think <sighs> I want to be kind to this company because they are a startup on the one hand. But on the other hand, they have promised this product for two years. So, I mean, for example, you know, I was typing in my uh, like a Wi-Fi password earlier and I was like, why isn't it working? And it's because every time I pressed the key, it wasn't actually registering it. And then I went back and kind of looked at what I was typing. And sometimes you have to really hit the center right. of the key okay. to get the, oh, okay. the thing, which I will obviously put to proper test in a, for a full review. But if you're banking on paying, you know, £729 in the UK for this, and you're buying a keyboard. Yep. You need the keyboard to work. Um, but stay tuned. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna savage this thing just yet because it is very interesting. There are a few other things like the, the display is good. It is AMOLED, um, but I believe it's got a MediaTek Dimensity 800, and there's a streaming. There's like a limitation mm. to the streaming capability of this. So um, I'm pretty sure that you can only stream uh, Netflix and other um, services at 480p which oh, is quite is. low quality. And I will double check this because I am I was like, surely not. Because like, this is like a bit of a, you know, a specialist kind of nerdy company. Yeah. And it, it runs Android 11, not 12. Um, and you can boot in Linux if you want to. So it, it, it's not a content no. consumption device. But I think if they have charged this much and that is, that is in fact true, well, I'm just going to ask them straight up, I think. Uh, that's a bit of an odd decision, but I suppose in order to even get to this price for a startup like this, they're going to have to mm. cut a few corners, I suppose, in terms of component tree. It's not the first time they've done it, though. They also had the, um, the Cosmo and the Gemini, which are previous kind of iterations on the same kind of form. Um, this one has backlit keys, which is quite nice. It's got 128 gig storage, 8 gigabytes of RAM. It's fine. To be honest, no. you're not really going <laughs> to multitask on this thing anyway. Um <laughs> And they have actually patented the hinge, which they call the rock-up slider hinge. So you, you, it's not automatic. We're not talking, you know, Neo in the Matrix kind of thing. But you do have to do it manually, just like clip it with your thumbs. But it is, it's well made. It is a solid, it is a solid device. But what you can't do is, um, is set it to different angles, say, can you? It's kind of fixed to fully open or fully shut. Right. It's not like a laptop hinge where it can sit at different heights. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sitting at a quite yeah. a wide angle, maybe like 120, 130 kind of thing, um, which is great on a table. But then when you also, that's the other thing, if you want to use it as a, a normal rectangular phone, yeah. it's, a, it's a thick phone. This is like a put-it-in-a-bag phone. <laughs> I didn't want to put it in my pocket. <laughs> wow. It's just too, it's too big so, for that. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, what, uh, well, what I'm, I'm curious to ask one more thing about what you make of it, which is because I think mm. it ties into what a lot of other people will be positioning the phone as is, especially given that we BlackBerry has died three times over, and we thought we were going to get it again, and it's it's <laughs> it's completely gone. Don't and, remind yeah, me, Henry. Gone. You are oh. a, a BlackBerry aficionado. I think it's fair to say. And naturally, as a as a physical keyboard phone, there's a kind of space to say, well, look, it's going to appeal to all these people who miss being able to use a BlackBerry. Mm. But it sounds like maybe it's not quite... And, and to be fair, they don't put, pitch it that way. Planet Computers do not try and fill that space particularly. And it sounds like it's not a particularly comfortable fit no. for that space. No, then you're right in saying that they, they don't say, you know, they're not going for... Uh, they're attracting the back, BlackBerry crowd. They're not luring them in intentionally. They're not, they're not yeah. trying yeah. They're to not replace them. the BlackBerry, yeah. yeah. I think the thing that people held on to for so long with BlackBerry was specifically the way that the software worked and the fact that it was uncluttered and you didn't have apps and that you know the email client was yep. just built into like this hub where you could just fire off messages all the time. This, I think Android is probably the limitation of this device in a way. Um, just because like, even when we review Android tablets, right, we say, you know, oh, I can plug a keyboard in and it's great, but Android tablets, you know, they can't scale to any kind of uh, yeah. apps, sorry, um, sometimes have difficulty or they can't scale to that size screen. And so just my kind of first impressions of this is that on a tiny screen, <laughs> the keyboard, to me, in my use case, isn't as mm -hmm. useful as I actually thought it would be. Um, but I'm going <sighs> to... I can't decide whether or not I'm going to write the review on it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, uh, I, I was going to do that before with the device, and I think my, uh, I think at the time our editor Marie told me not to do that because it would have taken me too long to file it. Um, yeah. I think that was the BlackBerry key too. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, there's no, there's no better way to do it, really. Can yeah. I do my work on this? Um, because yeah. I, I can't decide whether, it, you know, a company's going to say, yeah, you could use this for your work. Are we going to set this up? Or is this is this merely like a tinkerer's device? I, I, I suspect so as well. That yeah. the, In all the conversation I've ever had with people who about this phone, the most excited reaction I've had is from a friend of mine who um, is doing a just finishing a coding course. He runs Linux on his main laptop. He go. basically self-coded <laughs> a whole custom smart home setup and programmed everything to, to run the way he wanted mm -hmm. it to with his own scripts and everything. And he loved the sound of this. He was like, that sounds cool. And when I told yeah. him it ran Linux, he was like, what? That's amazing. And, and I don't think any part of him <laughs> was even like, I want to replace my iPhone with this. But I think he loved the idea of it as mm. a second phone, as a toy, as a thing to take around yeah. with him with his laptop to set them both up and, you know, dual device like that, or as a way to do some specific yeah. Linuxy things out and about when he doesn't want to carry his whole laptop with him, that kind of space. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For people who um, feel like, a, you know, like if they're a developer, yeah. an, an iPad might limit them for a similar price to an iPad Pro, you can, you can get this. And it, it does have a, a second, it's got a headphone jack and it's got a second uh, USB-C port on the other side as well. So you could mm. get you could get really hooked up <laughs> with it, but no, I would agree that that's kind of the area. Uh, and interesting, this company is, yeah. has managed to keep keep that going because that is a that is a very targeted. It's a audience. niche, but I guess the fact that they do it all through crowdfunding means they know they have that demographic, and they don't you know overcommit to the phone until they've got that backing. And they know right, yeah, there's enough people that still want one of these. We can keep going. We can do another round because you have to worry. You know, you made the, the mention mm. of an iPad. You know. We just had a WWDC where Apple went big on improving how an iPad works as a productivity device. We've seen Samsung really step that up in the S8 series as well. And yep. you have to look at something like this and say, beyond the sheer novelty of the Linux booting and the mechanical keyboard, which itself even sounds like it's not the perfect solution anyway, you know, how yeah. long can this kind of device survive? Because people are really serious about using it as another productivity thing will at some point have to go, all right, fine, a tablet would be better for this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I'd definitely go with an iPad yeah. and magic keyboard. And, and of course, that. looming in the distance yeah. is yeah. foldable so phones as well. Um, you know, the, the Z Fold 3 is so much more expensive than this that it's not a fair comparison. But, you know, we're seeing them get more affordable in China. And at the point where you could get a kind of book style foldable in the West for about the same price as this, Again, you start to say, well, yeah, okay, maybe that's actually the better option, isn't yeah. it? 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the Fold 3 um, is, you know, over double the price, but it is more portable. And if you did want to set up like that, yeah, as you say, fold in half and you got the haptic yeah. feedback keyboard underneath that's not too much smaller. Um, yeah. It but works we'll really see. well on see, the Fold as well. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah of course. Just on the bottom course. half of the keyboard. That, way, that was such a yeah. nice little touch on that. But yeah, I'll review this for what it is. I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to be like two star. It's not the iPhone. <laughs> no, um, yeah. But yeah, if it can do yeah. what it says it, it does and, uh, you know, people can buy them, then uh, then good, they're good. It's, I'm glad. A bit like this is it's the other end of the scale from nothing, isn't it, really? It's like this company exists and it's doing something different. Um, Absolutely. I'd rather a, a phone industry where small players like this can find a niche and can make funds for that niche and carve out, carve out a space for themselves and find their audience than a space where the only things that exist are iPhones and Galaxy S's and there's just, you know, <laughs> nothing else if you don't fit into that box. And the same with the ZTE, right? You know, that that idea of essentially ditching a selfie camera. It's about as close as you can get to a phone without a selfie camera in it. Um, and yeah, that's a niche. For most people, that would just not be an option. Mm. But there's a group out there who are like, yeah, cool, that works for me. And it's nice to see the industry yeah. cater for them, even in it's, you know, even if I, I, I don't think with ZTE it comes from a place of trying to cater to a niche audience so much as they're obviously pushing this novel tech and probably want to sell their solution on to everyone else once they've mastered it. But yeah. well, that's exactly what I was gonna, yeah I was going to say. Good, good point. Like ZTE are like doing the, the Lord's work here because they're pushing. <laughs> yes. the competition is good. Like they're pushing other companies to be yeah. like, oh maybe we should do this. And then obviously you know in five years time Apple will do it and they'll do it best. But then it'll be like it'll only be. Exactly. Because they were pushed to do it. And, uh, you know, if, if ZTE can help kill, kill the notch. It also forces Samsung to get better. Samsung already doing it. But, you know, if the Z Fold 3's implementation had been the only one, we might have been like, this isn't great, but wow, Samsung, that's amazing. As it was, Samsung dropped it. And we said, yep. ZTE did it better two months ago. Like, what are you doing, Samsung? And mm. so Samsung will have to get better at this <laughs> now. They will have to step that game up and fast. Otherwise, it will always be the... The story around the next the next foldable is well, they still can't do the under display camera right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Latest uh, rumors on that one. I can't remember if we mentioned the other week, but uh, an August launch event, which we expected. But I think August tenth was the date John Prosser said for uh, the next Samsung foldables. So yeah, we uh, should hear about them pretty soon. Less than two months now, which is exciting. Cool. I think that will do us for this week. So thank you, Henry and Lewis, for joining me. And thank you to anyone who's been watching and putting up with my laggy video stream. I promise you it's been more annoying on my <laughs> end. For the last 40 minutes or so, something has gone wrong with my computer and it has been beeping in my ears, in my headphones, incessantly. <laughs> and I've been trying to maintain this conversation <laughs> while my computer beeps nonstop. It's still going. It's absolutely maddening. I don't know how I've survived. <laughs> wow. So if you notice the part where no my idea. thought kind of yeah, trailed off, really well. it was because the computer just can you just do a little, little bonus, little bonus at the end. Can you mimic? Yeah, what it's, it's the doing sort of Windows something connecting and disconnecting really quickly. So it's a little bottom, 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 and sometimes it'll stop for thirty seconds, and you think, oh, "Wow, peace. oh, it stopped now." There we go. It's going to come back. There it is. Thank you, everyone, for joining us through this slight slog. Uh, we will be back same time, oh. same place next week to talk about anything new in the smartphone world. Uh, until then, remember to like and subscribe on YouTube or reviewers on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks so much. Bye.